Welcome to episode 9 of Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. I'm Cameron, and my featured friend this week is fiddler Chris Dalmadar. Seeing as we both live in Philadelphia, and his was the first local episode of the show, Chris thought it would be nice to do some Pennsylvania, or more specifically, Pensatucky tunes. All of the tunes in this episode were performed by Miss Sarah Armstrong and transcribed by ethnomusicologist Samuel Bayard outside of Derry, Pennsylvania in the fall of 1943. While the transcriptions are easy to find, these tunes aren't as popular as they should be, in my opinion. So I hope that all you fiddlers out there will be inspired to add a little Pensatucky to your repertoire so I can play these tunes with you. Stick around after the episode to learn how to get access to this week's bonus track, Over the Stump and Back Again. Chris Dalnadar, everybody, enjoy! Chris Delnadar, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. What was that tune? That was Sarah Armstrong's tune, as it is mostly commonly known as these days, but Sarah Armstrong herself just called it an old reel. And Sarah Armstrong is the reason we're meeting today. She is the reason we're here today. The matron saint of 
Pennsylvania, <laughs> Pennsylvania fiddle. Pennsylvania fiddling. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah. How did you, when did you start listening to, uh, when, when did you hear about Sarah Armstrong? And, uh, by the way, we're in Philly. Chris is a Philly fiddler. I'm a fit, Philly banjoer, banjoist. So that's seems this is the first Philly episode that we've done. It sort of, sort of makes sense that we're doing some Pennsylvania yeah. music. Um, how did you hear about Sarah Armstrong? I'm guessing from this tune. Yeah, I think that's how everyone finds out about her. Um, right. You play Sarah Armstrong's tune, and you're like, why is this tune called Sarah Armstrong's yeah, tune? Yeah, who, who is this person? I always right. wonder about these fiddle tunes who are named after people like Martha Campbell. Who was Martha Campbell? Yeah. Um, so the Sarah Armstrong stuff I got into, I don't know, I guess I found the book Hill Country Tunes, <clears throat> and I'll just give you the backstory on that. Um, it was published in 1944, I believe, and it was created by this man, Samuel Preston Bayard, who was a musicologist and folklorist from Pittsburgh. Does he do, like, is he, does he just do American music or...? Primarily, he um, okay. he got into this stuff when he was on a trip in Ireland okay. in like the late 20s. And he discovered that he was really good at transcribing melodies. Yeah. And then he became really fascinated with folk music. He went back to Pennsylvania and he discovered all of this music that was really similar to the stuff he was hearing in Ireland and England. Yeah. And um, it was, you know, right next door. So he did that for a while. And he eventually found this lady, Sarah Armstrong, who she's from uh, Derry, Pennsylvania, which is right outside of Pittsburgh. And he transcribed, I think, a total number of 37 tunes from her. And that became the core of this book that he right. published called that, Hill Country Tunes. That picture on the PDF that you sent me, is that Miss Armstrong? That's her. That's, That's awesome. the only photo of her. That we know of. Yeah. So. Right on. Yeah, so these uh, these tunes, they, they sound different than your typical southern yes. Southern tunes. Why, why is that? Well, Sarah Armstrong, her maiden name was Gray, and that family was Scots-Irish. And she learned to play all this stuff from her uncle, and her father, they were both fiddlers and musicians, and they played for dances and stuff, uh, events in the local community. And their tradition is very rooted in kind of that Scots-Irish style of playing. Yeah, She's got shottishes, she has quadrilles, which are very, like, European-style dance forms. And... I don't know. I think I don't really know the reason why uh -huh. other than maybe they were just so isolated and, sure. you know, their stuff didn't really develop beyond that. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, you know, the folk music uh, in the north is so different. I, I'm assuming yeah. because there weren't slaves everywhere. And sure, there's like a different feel to it. It's not as not as groovy or african sounding it's mm -hmm. like got this like sort of stately yes. quality to it although a lot of african-american music has that too mm -hmm. but so it's it's hard to tell like where the line is um 
I know that when I was doing the podcast with Harry, he was playing all these Mississippi tunes, and some of them were from Black Fiddlers, and uh, they sound like they're straight from the UK. Like there's, I can't detect any Africanisms like hmm. in them. No slides. They're just like, you know, like that. Actually, we're do- that's a tune we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I just realized. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I think it also comes down to people's individual styles of playing. Yeah, yeah. And we have no way of knowing how these tunes sounded because right. there was no recording recordings ever made of her. Um, We're at the mercy of Bayard's uh, transcriptions of his he, transcription skill. He did write that there was a recording machine in her house, but no recordings have ever turned up. Interesting. So. Who knows? They might be out yeah. there somewhere. So this is a uh, crowdsourcing. If you have <laughs> the Hill Country Tunes <laughs> recordings, let us know. Let us know. New podcast exclusive. Sweet. Uh, well, let's play. Let's play another tune. Um, what did we say we we're gonna do next? Let's do that. Maggots in the sheep yeah. hide. Maggots in the sheep hide. Yeah. She, her tunes have very colorful and oftentimes whimsical names. Yeah. Um. And I think Bayard writes of this tune that he doesn't, he was really into melodic families. So tunes that are all related structurally, but, you know, have different names and sound somewhat differently. Um, And I think he writes of this one that he doesn't know any other tune that was like. Yeah, yeah. So here it is. I'm going to let you do the first pass. I'll come in. Okay. All right. Thank you. 
maggots in the sheep hide. It's such a pleasant little such number. a pleasant tune for such an unpleasant title. Yeah, it's not something you want happening. <laughs> There's a name for that too. Sheep get this like infection of maggots in their skin. I forget what it's called though. Like bef- like before. Oh, yeah, while they're goodness. still alive. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> It's gross. Well, these are real things that happen in the world. Yeah. It's reflected in the music. Yeah. I kind of think of these tunes as being somewhat impressionistic in both their titles and yeah, kind of the music itself. Kind of like Irish music. I find Irish tunes to be like that as well. Right. The wind that shakes the barley. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's an Irish tune, right? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. If not, it should be. Definitely, definitely colorful titles. It seems like there's, yeah, I like that. They're impressionist. A lot of, um, sometimes, I think they're all sort of like that, all of the American fiddle tunes, but sometimes it seems like it's like, ah, oh, I'm just bored, I need something to do. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of slap on a title. Yeah. And sometimes they seem like they're more intimately connected. Yeah, I agree. Uh yeah, it seems sometimes the they just slap on a title. Yeah, like floppy-eared mule, like maybe, or maybe they just saw a mule while they were playing the tune, and they're like floppy-eared, floppy-eared, floppy-eared mule, and they're drunk. Yeah, and that's yeah. just what happened. You yeah, know, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry to say, that's usually the uh, uh, that's the example I give when I think of like dumb old-time lyrics. <laughs> it's like floppy-eared mule. But someone recently pointed out that like sometimes like the tunes seem really silly and uh, or the tune titles seem really silly and and dumb, but they're actually all like there's some sort of meaning in there. Like they have some sort of agricultural like significance or something. Usually if it seems dumb, it's because I'm ignorant. It's because I'm ignorant. You know, it's like uh the, the tune uh, Great Big Taters in Sandyland, like we played one of our first shows. Chris is in a, Chris and I are in a band together called Hell Among the Yearlings, and we play traditional. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, we'll have stuff online by the time. By the time this is published, <laughs> sure. Time, yeah, definitely. There'll be a link below. We're going to have our act together. <laughs> um, anyway, it was one of our first shows, and uh, I we mash up I've Endured with Great Big Taters and Sandy Land. And I introduced it and I was like, it's sort of a silly title for a very beautiful tune. And then I like, it occurred to me right in that moment, like Great Big Taters and Sandy Land isn't a silly title. That's like a spiritually heavy thing to say. That's sure. like, sounds like biblical, you know, just like <laughs> the land is dry and we have these huge potatoes you know yeah and it actually fits right in with i've endured and it didn't occur to me and you know but i think the music fit together really naturally Mm -hmm. in there so it just sort of yeah it just sort of has a it's easy to write it off as silly i think from my perspective as someone who's an outsider who's trying to like dig down deeper yeah into the music i think you have to understand it's also coming from another time yeah so a lot of this vernacular isn't used anymore right and it's like yeah this wasn't like cheesy to them you know or like kitschy it's like no this is who i who i am 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> I still I think still back then it might have been kind of weird titles though. Uh-huh. Also. <laughs> I just read that book Cold Mountain and there's a character in it who's a fiddler. Uh-huh. It takes place during the Civil War. Right. And uh another character is criticizing fiddle music he says well i don't like fiddle music because it all sounds the same and it has strange titles uh-huh. and then the fiddler character says i know that's why i like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right yep <laughs> so maybe nothing has changed <laughs> yeah <laughs> how did you when when and how did you start playing old-time music well i think what got me into it all was when i discovered the anthology of American folk music yeah. from Harry Smith. And that kind of opened me up to all of these old recordings, which I had like a passing interest in up until that point. But then I was like, wow, this is it. And then, I don't know, I just heard a couple other tracks. After I heard uh, the Carter Brothers, you know, that yeah. was like a life-changing thing for me. And I thought, well, that's that, that's it, that's the sound. And around that same time, I had picked up the banjo. This was like five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was fooling around with that and eventually figured out how to do the claw hammer style. What did that look like fooling around? Why did you pick up a banjo? Well, I got a banjo because I didn't want to play guitar anymore. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> banjos were cooler. <laughs> this was five or six years ago? Yeah. They, they were in the zeitgeist at that point. They were having a sort of pop, uh, a short-lived pop revolution. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I don't know if that's why you got into I it. I wasn't really aware of that so much. That's when, like, Sufjan was, like, starting to get really popular. Oh, yeah. You know? And he was doing his banjo thing. That's why I got a banjo. Really? Because I was listening to Sufjan, even though he doesn't know how to play banjo. Yeah. <laughs> I've never really listened to him, actually. I just know that one song you wrote about John Wayne Gacy. Oh, man. That one's... <laughs> It's a good tune. It's a good. That's a good tune. <laughs> Get my heart in. <laughs> yeah. um, that's a song about the person that's in the title, serial killer. For those of you who aren't in the know. Yes. Yeah. Not an old time tune. No. Uh. Yeah. Why did you pick up the banjo? Um. Well, you as didn't an want al- to play guitar as an alternative to playing guitar. Sure. Um kind of just curiosity i guess right and then i just kind of stuck with it and at what point did you start playing traditional stuff did you start doing traditional stuff right away or did you sort of ease your way no it it? kind of took me a while maybe like a year or two before i found that there were actually people playing this music right right and then i got introduced to the whole old time jam yeah thing when was your what was your first old time jam experience like uh, my first experiences with old-time jams was in Burlington, Vermont, and there's a great community of musicians there, and I learned some stuff from those people. Um, and yeah, that, that's that's how that got started. Did you sit in the first time that you saw one and start playing? Yeah, I did. How did it go? Uh, they were very kind to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, then I didn't really know things like, you know, you're going to play in the same key for a while. So right. when it would be my turn to call a tune, yes. I'd say, well, let's play this one in C. And we had been playing in like D the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was, you know. Yeah. But they were they were accommodating. 
Did you know how to play Climber at that point? I had my own style of doing okay. it. Okay. Which was kind of claw hammer-ish. Right. <laughs> it wasn't as refined. Because claw like, hammer is like fairly like unintuitive, especially if you're coming from like a, yes. a guitar background. It took me a long time yeah. to get it. <laughs> yeah. I was doing more like up picking than down picking. Were you doing like a Seeger, Seeger style or something? That's what people told me. Yeah. I don't know because I read that stuff and I, yeah. it, it didn't really make any sense. The difference is uh, that um, Clawhammer is a bum ditty, but Pete Seeger style is a bum titty. Okay. That's what he calls it. <laughs> the bum titty. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to proliferate that. <laughs> the bum titty? The bum titty. You got to get your bum titties down. <laughs> uh what was I going to say? Uh, my first uh, old-time experience was there was, I was at a friend's wedding in Indiana, and I knew how to play Clawhammer, but I had not played with anyone, like played any traditional music with people. No. I had like gotten that... Um, there's a book of tabs, melodic Clawhammer banjo, Andy Cahan and Bob Carlin and a bunch of other people. Oh, yeah, Ken, those... Ken Perlman, I think, is on it. Those are like New England tunes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really weird introduction to like, yeah. it's traditional music, but not for Clawhammer. So like, that's how I sort of like got into it from reading that. And so I sat in on this, uh, on this wedding band um, that were, they were playing a dance at this wedding. And they were like a mix of like Contra and like old time stuff. And uh, they said, I asked if I could sit in and they said, do you know the tunes? And I said, yeah <laughs> and I did not <laughs> and uh I like I didn't know I like uh capoed up seven frets to like to play in D and stuff <laughs> like <laughs> stuff like that like I didn't know what I was doing and they were like oh that's interesting and yeah they were I had a similar experience very accommodating very nice to me yes <laughs> and I think that's cool about the old kind of community they're I I found for the most part very hospitable and very like yeah we want to make the party bigger and invite you in and make you feel welcome um, yeah for the most part for the most part teach you what it's all about mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's why it's like a successful sort of community like why people want to do it why it's growing yeah is because there's like good people in it yeah I think people. Are legitimately care about the tradition and yeah preserving it and yet carrying it forward yeah, yeah and they're not uh for I, I think for the most part they're not um i've heard that irish music is hard to get into mm. i've heard that irish like player i don't know this for sure but i sat in on one irish gym yeah <laughs> one time on climb or banjo uh but i've, I've heard that they're like a, they can be like a little more like passive aggressive or like a little more exclusive and you sort of have to like earn respect there yeah so i'm i'm happy to be in this in this community where i feel like for the most part it's like pretty open and welcoming there's always if you go to clifftop there's always a jam it's not hard to find a jam that's just like anyone's welcome mm -hmm. you know you go to that morgantown oh yeah <laughs> tent yeah 40 people 40 people of all different like skill levels just sure. like blasting away you yeah. know and having a great time definitely
Let's play. Uh, let's play another tune. Let's. What was next on the list? So next we're gonna play another tune from Miss Sarah Armstrong called "The Snouts and Ears of America." <laughs> Like, every time I hear that title, I just sort of crack up a little bit. And I was like, okay, how do I play this again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
It's a distractingly hilarious title. Right. What does he write about? <laughs> the it? Snouts and Ears of America. For dog lovers. So he writes of this tune. The title of this fine spirited tune may not be a corruption, but as it stands, it is incomprehensible. <laughs> the editor knows of no other version, but it is not impossible that the air is a derivative of the familiar Irish washerwoman tune right. recast in 4-4 time and with the order of parts reversed. If so, it makes a distinct improvement on the original melody. <laughs> Pretty big slam to the Irish washerwoman yeah. right there. <laughs> Yeah, tell us how you really feel, Baird. <laughs> but it, it, is there like rules to ethnomusicology? Can you be like, oh, this one's clearly superior? <laughs> I guess so. Because he's earned his class. He's a musicologist. Yeah. <laughs> it is a pretty dope tune. Yeah, it's a great one. <laughs> what, yeah, how does this... the Irish washerwoman go? Too many notes. Yeah. I know, that's like these tunes kind of sound like the Irish stuff with all of those notes taken out. Yeah. And it's kind of just like the bare bones of the melody and just the groove. It's really satisfying that, like, those jumps, like. sure that's like a very open yeah very open uh, it's like a, a bugle call or something yeah know, like a yeah and that's i think so fife. characteristic of american music yeah in general especially the fife stuff um bayard his main interests were fiddle and fife yeah. melodies he has another book that's like a hundred no a thousand fife <laughs> a thousand fife tunes <laughs> thousand five tunes yeah oh my goodness it's all transcriptions yeah it's all transcriptions from like pennsylvania to west virginia do you how are you at like how many tunes can you have in your head at a time uh i don't know i know i have over a hundred right now in your head that you could start like right now more or less yeah really probably i think i had like two (laughs) <laughs> no, I have more than that. But like, yeah, I don't know how to like increase my capacity because, you know, at a certain point you start learning new tunes and the old ones drop off. Yeah, I think I'm at that point. <laughs> at 100 tunes. That's pretty good, though. You can, it's not bad. You can jam for days with 100 tunes yeah. if you have another fiddler. Who knows? The tunes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do this uh, red brick? Yeah, sure. Okay, I just got a tune real quick. Okay, I'm tuned. Yeah, what, uh, what's the whole title? I've, it's a sentence. <laughs> so this one's called The Red Brick House in Georgiatown. And it's an A-modal tune. She has these like weird modal tunes as well as the stately New England stuff. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because the modal stuff, I often think of that as like mountain music. Right, right. But it's even in the Irish stuff too, so I... Sure. That's where it all comes from anyway. Yeah. All right, Modal, for, for those of you who don't know, it's like um, uh, not, it sort of toes the line between major and minor. A lot of them yeah. will like, uh, they'll, they'll have like a major third or a minor third 
and they'll like in one octave they'll do the major and the other one they'll do the minor and it's sort of it's not like a straight up minor scale like you would hear in Bach or something right uh, it's modal is it coincidental that it's like shared with like ancient Greek modes or it, you know what I mean it's like this one is like sort of between Dorian and Mixolydian. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's getting really nerdy. <laughs> but, or or do they just like, were those inherited and sort of tinkered with? Or I mean, probably. But I've heard that, well, I don't know. My understanding is like, when we say a tune is modal. Yeah. We're not really talking about what mode it's using. That's right. kind of just become like a blanket term. To it has, yeah. Describe this kind of a sound right but does it come from that yeah probably i found that like most of them sorry for those of you who this is way too nerdy but this is interesting to me i found that most of them like when people say modal tune they mean either something that's closer to a dorian mode right so minor with a raised six or a mixolydian mode Mm -hmm. um major with a flat seven flat seven uh and then sometimes like like i've heard june apple as straight up Dorian or straight up Mixolydian. Although I've also heard you play June Apple with a major seven in, in like the lower octave sometimes. Mm -hmm. So like, I guess maybe, yeah, it's like draws from those modes, but pretty quick to, to stray from them. Yeah. Anyway, that's a very nerdy, (laughs) not as interesting as the tune itself. Now that that's over. (laughs) Now that that's over with (laughs) ethnomusicologist over here. (laughs) All right, uh, I'll do this one a little slower. Thank you. 
red brick what was it? <laughs> the red brick the red brick house, house in georgia town in georgia town yeah do you know what's georgia town i have no idea what that is i don't know a place either to say either fictional or not right yeah let's um i need to take a tuning break real quick to get into g for our next team cool so next thing you hear will be a tune banjo old-time musicians Spend half the time tuning and half the time playing out of tune. All right, the key of G. All right. Uh, are you going to Are you going to Harry Smith frolic? Yes. Good. Yeah. Maybe we can carpool. Yeah, we should. Because Becca's going to be in Oregon and uh, going to be home alone. Nice. Uh, Harry Smith. I'm assuming that's Harry Smith anthology. Harry Smith. Yeah. So I've never been to it before, but like. Mm-hmm. Do people play like special tunes? Yeah, there? they. I guess they do this thing where everyone learns a tune from one of the um, volumes in the anthology, oh. and then they do the whole volume. They like perform it. Wow! On one night. So that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. I forget which one they're doing this year. I think it's like the ballads or something. Oh, they do a section. Well, they of have the anthology. They do like the whole. An entire volume of the anthology. I guess I don't. I don't actually know anything about the anthology. Oh man, <laughs> that's not how I got into. That's a whole another podcast. All right, <laughs> that'll be uh, Chris. Chris's episode number two. Uh, seeing as you're in in town, I'm probably gonna have you do some more repeat episodes. All right, if you have more to say. <laughs> yeah. Man, Harry Smith tunes. Uh, all right, what are we gonna end with? Thanks for being. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, totally. Glad we finally made it happen. It's a good morning. I yeah would just be playing fiddle tunes anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Patty, Patty so, on the Turnpike. So yeah, we're gonna do Sarah Armstrong's version of Patty on the Turnpike, which is pretty different from uh, a lot of the other versions that people play of this tune. I guess Bayard says that this was an Irish tune, um, which I guess it is. I don't know too much it's, about the history I mean, of it. It's a pretty Irish sounding title. Yeah. Patty. People play another version that's really kind of modal sounding. Uh-huh. Aren't I guess two, this one is too. Aren't there two versions in this collection? Yeah, there's Are two they versions. Both Sarah Armstrong? No, the other one's from another fiddler. Okay. Um, and even that one is pretty different. That one actually alternates between five four and four four. What? <laughs> yeah, so check where, that out. Where do people like does this exist in print or can you only find it just like online you can get the book um i don't think they published it after like the 1950s so right so pdf is like the best best yeah. option yeah what um, do you search for if you want to read these two? We're, we're reading these off of dots by the way that's like yes we how we learned we are paper trained yeah so <laughs> this is <laughs> make us sound like pets <laughs> like animals um but yeah i encourage people who are interested in this stuff to look it up the book is called hill country tunes um instrumental music of southwestern pennsylvania uh, just search that on google and you'll find a pdf file of it if for no other reason than to see that picture of miss armstrong put the, yeah put the face and physique to the name it's yeah. a full body picture definitely <laughs> see her and all of her uh, all of her pencil tucky glory. Yeah, but the tunes are <laughs> delightful. So. Yeah. Patty. Right, we'll do that Patty on the turnpike. Mm-hmm. 
I'll start that over. Yeah. Take two. <laughs> Chris and I are becoming really good friends, and I'm really happy about it. We carpool to a lot of festivals together, and he convinces me to eat really bad road food, like Cracker Barrel and McLobster Rolls. 
I think we share a similar spiritual need for old-time music. We're both kind of religious about it. Chris is like an old-time monk, and I'm more like an old-time Pentecostal preacher. We're definitely both pilgrims on this old-time journey, and I'm so glad we're traveling together. Thanks for doing the show, Chris. It means a lot. When I asked him what he wanted to plug, he asked me to mention the West Philly Square Dance. Chris and some other old-time friends started it a while back, and it's a blast. You should go. It's a real hoot. There aren't any dances currently scheduled, but you can like the Facebook page so you'll know when the next one's coming. I put a link in the description, but you can just search West Philly Square Dance on Facebook. If you want to check out Bayard's Hill Country Tunes book, I put a link to a PDF in the description. If you want to financially support Get Up In The Cool, that's really sweet of you. Thanks. Go to CameronDeWitt.com and click on the button that says Patreon, or click on the link in this episode's description. Throwing in a few bucks is a great way to let me know that you like the show, and you will be rewarded for your generosity. This week's bonus track for patrons of the show is another Sarah Armstrong tune with yet another colorful title, Over the Stump and Back Again. Finally, the band Chris and I mentioned is called Hell Among the Yearlings. We haven't recorded an album, but we did just record a rousing rendition of Roll Them Simmons, the tune that uh, previous guest of the show, Harry Bullock, brought back from the dead. I'm going to leave you with that. Don't forget to like and share the show on Facebook, and I'll see you next week for more Get Up in the Cool.